coming up on Gobi, Wyoming. We've got to grow our way out of this. There's no way um, with the people leaving this state, the tax base is shrinking. Businesses are closing. Uh, I just heard on the radio yesterday, according to the National Federation of Independent Businesses, one in five businesses say they're going to close within the next six months if things do not improve with COVID and the lockdowns and restrictions. Welcome back, everyone. Today on our special interview with Go Be Wyoming, we have Senator Bo Beitman. Um, Bo, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here, guys. Zach, thanks for joining all the way from Bozeman. Yeah, of course. We, uh, Bo, thanks for taking your time, um, catching in between all your committee meetings via Zoom. I was watching you yesterday via the YouTube, and uh, man, you guys put in a lot of hours on those meetings. Yeah, my back's a little sore from sitting in this dang chair for, what, eight, nine hours straight, two days in a row, getting too old for this. <laughs> but yeah, it was a tough slog the last couple of days, but we got through it. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, Bo, let's kind of talk about, you didn't have anything, you know, you're not uh, running for re-election or anything this go time, but there were a lot of races going on throughout the state. Um, a lot of challengers to existing incumbents. Um, what's kind of your take on that? Yeah, it was nice having the summer off. You know, ask my family, they, they'd agree to that. Uh, it feels like I've been running nonstop since 2016. You know, being in the house, you're up every two years. And then I think I was, what, six months into my first term in the house. And I, had, you know, Cyrus Western announced he was going to run against me. So I was already basically running uh, right after I got out of session the first go round. So um, things worked out. I ended up in the Senate and. You know, everything's cool now, but uh, yeah, it was nice to have the summer off for your term and uh, being able to really focus on the committee work. We've got a lot of a lot of stuff to do, a lot of work to be done here in the state of Wyoming. And it was interesting to sit back and, and watch all these races kind of unfold and and uh, watch them just like everybody else in from the sidelines and, and see what happened. Uh, looked like there was a lot of um grassroots conservatives stepping up to throw their hat in the ring this year and challenged a lot of more of the moderate establishment types. Um, I, you know, some won, some lost. Uh, there were some interesting um, victories at, on election night that probably shocked a lot of people. Um, not so much those of us on the inside that uh, would have probably seen it coming, but I'm sure there's, you know, some people were surprised to see Tyler Lynn home get beat and um, not so much as, uh, Michael Von Flatern, for instance, on the Senate side, he's well known for being very liberal and, and uh, votes uh, pretty liberal and to be challenged in a primary to the right. Um, not surprising to see him get beat, but, uh, you know, surprised that, you know, it's good to see my friend Tim Salazar pick up that open seat there in Riverton for the Senate. So I'll be getting to serve with him. I'm excited about that. I'm just excited about the, the new trajectory of the Wyoming Senate. It looks like it's going to be more conservative. Uh, hopefully we can be the firewall against new taxes and, and um, you know, maybe some of our spending reforms that have fallen on deaf ears the last couple of years, maybe they'll uh, be taken more seriously now that yeah. there's more of us. So 
Yeah, that was something Zach and I hit on when we were looking at the state as a whole, you know, Lindholm and um, the one out of Campbell County that you mentioned too. Those were, um, you know, to some people, those were some upsets. Um, but um, Zach, do you have anything to mention there? Well, um, yeah, just that's, uh, it's pretty exciting. We've got some new, new faces in there um, and people who are ready to, kind of take some action, especially with this kind of budget crisis that we've got going on. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a great, great thing for Wyoming. And I think, you know, looking at the big picture, it's probably a big win for gun owners in Wyoming because they, they really um, stepped up their game and really went after some of the more uh, not so friendly um, gun legislators Absolutely. Uh, so uh i know wyoming gun owners put a lot of money into some races and, and really beat the crap out of some people but uh you know they they're, they're passionate about the second amendment uh don't always agree with their tactics but uh they're effective and uh you know i guess when your rights are on the line you want somebody to fight like hell for your rights to protect your rights and um you know that's what they do that's their job and uh so gun owners came out ahead and i think people that are fiscally responsible Responsible, fiscally conservative, um, you're going to see some, you're going to be happy with some of the fresh faces you see and I'm um, excited to work with them, excited to meet some of these new people and welcome, in, welcome them into the legislature and, uh, you know, try to build a taxpayer protection caucus. That's one thing I'm working on. I, during the interim, I've talked with uh, Grover Norquist from Americans for Tax Reform uh, a couple of weeks ago on the phone, and he asked if I would take over the Senate chair of that. <clears throat> so I'll be doing that. And anyway, that signed the American for Tax Reform pledge um, to not raise taxes. Uh, we'll be part of, we'll be more than welcome to join the caucus and anybody that didn't sign the pledge that, you know, agrees with us that we need spending reform first before we even talk about tax increases, they're more than welcome to join as well. So um, hopefully I'll get a lot of people to, to join me in that effort. Uh, the taxpayers spoke loud and clear on Tuesday night. They don't want, they don't want to see tax increases to pay for the, uh, the largesse and the excess of the last decade. Um, you know, the people that came before me ran up a huge bar tab and now we've got to pay it off. And it's and with COVID hitting and everything, it's a perfect storm and it's just, it's going to be ugly. There's going to be a lot of fighting and, and uh, a lot of debate over what gets cut and how much. But uh, if we don't get the cuts now, we won't ever get the cuts. It's just like when they promised Ronald Reagan, you know, he, uh, the Democrats promise all these cuts and if you'd raise taxes. So you know, never trust the Democrats or rhinos when it comes to uh, taxes first and then cuts later. It's, it's just, uh, we've learned our lesson on that one. So we're gonna yes. hold the line and uh, we wanna see cuts first. Awesome. Well, let's, um, that leads us right into it, Bo. You know, I watched a little bit of the, the revenue committee uh, yesterday. Um, that was one of my biggest takeaways is I can't remember which representative brought it up, but um, you guys had multiple people talking about what it would look like if we tried to change, you know, quote unquote, tax reform, or really they were just more taxes. Um, and a representative, I can't remember who it was now, but um he pretty much called them out and said, so it's really exactly the same that we have right now. He's like, it's not doing anything, um, you know, in total, which he kind of was alluding to. So our spending's off, 
which, you know, it, that wasn't the point of the meeting, but um, what were kind of your big takeaways? I mean, there's a lot of numbers flowing around and I mean, you were on there all day, you know, I only, I skimmed through the good parts, but um, what was your kind of takeaway on that? Well, honestly, I was surprised to see that we killed um, those tax increases. Um, typically, they fly through that committee. Uh, I think maybe being this close to the election, uh, this, you know, not far removed from a primary, a bitter primary on most fronts. Yeah, a lot of those people on the committee had a primary challenger where taxes and spending was the forefront issue. So maybe that, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know, but, uh, or maybe they're, um, getting an earful from their constituents back home saying, you know, don't raise our taxes, fix the spending problem first. Either way, uh, we were able to stave off the reinstitution of the grocery tax, uh, the sales tax on groceries, which would really affect poor people the most and um, seniors on fixed incomes, for example. Uh, we were to you know, stave off the business uh, services tax. Uh, Aaron, that would directly affect you and I. Um, yep. You know, how would you be able to, it, the, the effects of that would be far reaching and, and really not pro-business at a time where we need to be pro-business. Um, the state of Wyoming is in de desperate need of economic growth. We've watched other states around us grow during the last four or five years. Wyoming's growth has been flat or negative. Our GDP growth is terrible. Amongst the 50 states, I think we're dead last um, with GDP growth. I should scare the crap out of every single one of those legislators that are thinking about raising taxes because you're really kicking people when they're down. I mean, it's, it's just yep. certainly not the time to raise taxes when people are already struggling to pay their bills and keep your businesses alive. And, and um, yeah, it's just, I'm glad we were able to stave those off. The other ones were tabled for the next meeting in November. Um, I think Chairman Case was getting a little nervous that he was going to lose all of his tax bills in one day. So he, hold the pin on those and wouldn't let us vote on them. So um, we shall see what happens. But, uh, you know, you kill a bill in committee, it doesn't mean it's dead. They, they're like zombies. They keep coming back. Nothing's dead until you. we are gaveled out, session's over, and we're on our way home. I mean, that's these things can come back at any time, especially if management wants them and leadership wants these bills. So it's a small victory now, but uh, don't rest on your laurels uh, to my constituents out there listening. Uh, stay on it. Keep um, paying attention because these things will come back. Yeah, and that's, Zach, you know, we've kind of talked about maybe a future goal of this show is, um, you know, most likely me, I will hang out in Cheyenne and get these, you know, updates of, you know, here are these bills again, you know, they're not done, they're coming back. And um, I think Senator Biden said it right, you know, I think due to the primaries, some of these people are probably being, you know, because they've got till January anyways for session. So, right. um, Zach, did you have anything there? Well, you brought up an interesting uh, point that, you know, lots of businesses are looking at maybe closing or they're within six months of closing. Um, and, and you also, I think, hit the nail on the head or maybe gave the best description of 2020 so far as just the perfect storm. But what are the, the COVID relief funds then? How are those being used to help those businesses? And because um, I know we have $1 billion-ish, uh, 
in the in those funds is that correct yeah we received 1.25 billion in cares act funds um they were designed um by the trump administration to get that to the, send them to the states to get that money out quickly to the affected businesses and people in the state uh, during the special session, well, in the run-up to the special session, the Minerals Committee uh, put together three different bills uh, designed to to get that money out. They and um, I I had issues with those bill drafts. They were very um, restrictive, and uh, in my opinion, and they they had too too much red tape attached to them. And it was too slow going through the business council to get this money out there. There all these little hoops you had to jump through. You had to meet all this criteria. My one of my suggestions was during the special session, I ran an amendment just to cut everybody in Wyoming a check. Everybody that was a resident on March 1st, 2020, you get a portion of that amount. That was just one way of getting it out there and getting it out there quick. Obviously that didn't fly, but uh, um, my goal was to get that money to these businesses quickly because the businesses were hurting. There's, you know, restaurants are still not allowed to run at full capacity and there's still millions of dollars sitting in these funds and the restaurants have exhausted their PPP money already. They probably already got their COVID grants from the business council and they've capped it at a certain amount of money. So who knows if they'll be able to come back for more of that. We don't know yet. I'll probably talk about that the next couple of days on, on minerals committee. But in my opinion, I think what they're doing, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but um, I think they're trying to hang on to the money as long as they can and wait for guidance from treasury so they can use the rest of it to backfill lost revenues. I'm, I hate to say it, but I guarantee you that's what's going on because that money should have all been spent by now. I mean, we know all these people that were affected, the, that money was a stimulus and slash uh, reimbursement check, if you will, for, hey, you had to close your business through no fault of your own. We told you you had to close your business or you, we put so many restrictions on your business that you're on the verge of bankruptcy. Here's some money to a stipend to keep, keep you going until things turn around that we still have millions and millions of dollars sitting in the, in the bank that hasn't been distributed yet. So why are they hanging on to it? The only answer I have is they're hoping that they'll be able to use that money um, at the end of the year to backfill some of our deficit. And that just rewards bad behavior. We've, we've had this structural deficit for as long as I can remember. Since I've been watching Wyoming politics, we've been spending way too much money. Uh, my predecessors, they ran, they ran up the bill. Like I said earlier, I joked about the bar tab, but it's true. Um, the growth in, I just printed out an article yesterday. New research examines state-by-state state growth in per capita state spending. Guess what? Where Wyoming sits, number four. Uh, we we spend, where is it here? Let's see, $7,661 per capita government spending. All of our neighboring states are lower than that. Uh, we still got a spending problem and using the CARES Act money to backfill uh, lost revenue or to backfill an education shortfall that was not COVID related is to me wrong. And that's yeah. not what that money's for. Sure. Do you think uh, you could push that amendment through here in the next couple months again, or do you think that's dead? They're just not 
they're just uh, stonewalling you. No, I'll definitely be asking the business council why they're hanging on to um, certain, so why they're not getting that, all that money dispersed. They'll probably say there was only so many applications and, you know, with the, with the dollar amount limit that they put on each business to be able to apply for, um, there's probably not enough businesses in Wyoming to even, if it, even if every single business applied to get rid of all that money. So I think we need to take a look at uh, getting maybe a round two. I, I know restaurants should be at the front of the line, hair salons, gyms, everybody that's been affected by these public health orders, yep. they should be at the front of the line. Oil and gas has been killed because, and oil services companies have been killed because of the, the demand shock that COVID caused. Uh, those companies should be allowed for a, to get seconds, if you will, on some of this money because you're seeing already bankruptcies and foreclosures happening all across the state and yep. uh, job losses. And I predicted it back in March. I said, when this PPP money runs out the end of August, um, you're going to see a huge wave of unemployment and a big spike in unemployment. And because you know, it's just there's no demand yet. The demand's not there. It hasn't recovered yet. We haven't opened up our, our state economy 100% yet. Yeah. I wonder, you know, that um, I think there's multiple solutions you just gave, you know, put the service industry first, you know, let's put them out there first because of all the health code um, restrictions. And then I kind of, you know, I, um, yeah, why not just say residents? I mean, that's, um, I think you cut out a lot of people that may be moving here and all that stuff. And that's pretty easy to do if you are a resident. Um, that's interesting. And maybe that's something, uh, Zach, you and I can maybe look into that small business council and figure out what, uh, what the heck's going on with all that, uh, billions of dollars is in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, on that same note, uh, Senator, um, you asked a great question. You guys had um, the Wyoming County Commissioner, or wait, yeah, Wyoming County Commissioner Association. Is that the WCCA, mm -hmm. correct? Um, and you asked a great question about spending, about all these counties. Um, all he, They said that most counties are looking at 20, 40% budget cuts. Um, and sadly, he didn't have an answer of were those you know, employees, you know, or payroll, you know, not services. Um, and I think that kind of tells you right there that some of these, even just local, local, you don't have to pick anybody out there, Senator, I don't want to put you in that position, but um, I think Wyomingites need to be asking their county commissioners, hey, you know, don't cut my services just to keep you guys all employed. Um, like you just said, we're all out of work and the numbers spit out was we're at 7% unemployment in the state. And then oil and gas has been hit. We're over um, 100K workers, 100,000 workers got laid off this month. So um, I guess. How many government workers? Probably zero or close to it. Exactly. And that's what happened the last, um, the last crash we had was in 2016. It seems like, I mean, it seems like we're in a constant bus cycle, but we did have a slight boom there in the last couple of years. But, you know, the last time we had to crash in oil and gas, um, government employees for the most part 
did not get affected by it. Um, I ran, I remember my first session when we were working on the supplemental budget in 2017 because we had a huge deficit that year because oil and gas was down. And uh, I had, I would think at that time when I was working for Western, I was on my third 10% pay cut just to keep my job. And um, times were tough and families were feeling it all around. And Gillette was, you saw U-Hauls just leaving Gillette in droves leaving for texas and other states and those people never came back um but uh i testified on the floor in the house at the time when i was in the house i, I ran a, a budget amendment to cut everybody every state employee across the board uh, i think it was one percent of their salary it would have saved i don't know tens of millions of dollars um just right there right then and there and you sh you would have thought you know the sky was falling and there's blood there'd be blood in the streets people lost their minds and you know some of the other legislators like how dare you how can you do this and we heard all these you know sob stories and i'm thinking man that's how it really made me realize that's why i was elected to be the voice of the taxpayer and the voice of the people because i tell you what down there in the swamp the the taxpayer is a forgotten person i mean everything functions for the government by the government you know it, only people down there testifying on bills are government uh lobbyists for other government agencies so you know it, it it was really an eye-opener to see that. Like, we couldn't even get a 1% of everybody's salary. Even, I think, a couple of years later, Chuck Gray tried to run it as 1% of anybody making more than 80000 And that, that failed. So the appetite to cut any amount of spending is just, it's just not there. And hopefully it'll be there this time around. But my question was geared towards, because anytime we hear about the government making cuts was what's the first thing they cut services and usually the most something that'll make you like the rest areas something that'll really make it hurt so then everybody's going to panic and say um you know okay that's enough it's time to raise taxes quit cutting these services you know and make it make it painful as possible right and i can't i can't stand to see that um wyoming has the most government workers per per capita of any state in the union by far you know it's not even close uh we've got a lot of fat there we've got i i hate to see people lose their job but you know you've got the private sector that has been taking it on the chin for the better part of five six years now i don't know how much more they can take to be honest with you and um it's just not fair that they're the ones taking all the job losses and all the hits and then they're expected to pick up the bill for the for the rest of us those people in the government that that's not going to sit well and it hasn't sat well obviously you saw the results of the primary with the with the voters yeah and you know government salaries do pay well in wyoming with the benefits and the a lot of times they're better than what you get in the private sector. So we also have the government competing with the private sector. Uh, look at the services industry. Um, you know, the, the state government poaches a lot of the science science people that can't be paid as well. You know, for your emits or your uh, WWC types, they'll go work for the for the state and make more money and have job security and benefits. So it's just a vicious cycle. Well. We, we appreciate you keeping on the good fight there. Um, let's kind of maybe um, 
switch gear well not really switching gears but uh i did tell you Bo, we kind of wanted to get your thought on the uh occidental land purchase you know we obviously were a bidder of sorts but uh sounds like orion mine is uh taking the bid um you know 1.3 billion um obviously we're probably not in that economic situation to make that kind of purchase but um you know, reading some articles, I found this interesting, and I wonder, you know, in talking with Mark Kenner, he said the governor was the one that was pretty much in charge of uh, research and, you know, how much could this make for the state, and um, hopefully maybe he shares that with the legislature, but, um, you know, the governor claimed that it could be 8 to 12% returns. Um, you know, I can't tell if that, you know, it's not bad, but it's not like spectacular. So what's your, um, you know, I, again, we don't have the money to make this purchase right now anyways, but, um, you know, do you think this is a lost opportunity for the state or do you think maybe it's a good thing we were a little slow and cautious with it? Well, time will tell whether or not it was a good idea or not. So we can mm -hmm. always armchair quarterback it in 10 years. But my <laughs> biggest concern going into it was, who are these other bidders? Uh, my, I, the one way I could definitely get behind the state of Wyoming taking the was it 1.3 billion out of the permanent trust fund to buy this would be to prevent a Michael Bloomberg or a George Soros or a Tom Steyer type of person to buy that land to keep it from ever being from minerals ever being extracted on it. Um, that would have been a huge blow for the state of Wyoming. And that was a concern of mine because um, you look at what they've done to coal companies and, and coal mines and coal power plants. They're shutting them down left and right as fast as they can. So that was a concern. So I would have rather had the state of Wyoming control it than some outfit like that. Um, this company that bought it seems to be interested in the Trona. And so hopefully they will produce that Trona and keep southwestern Wyoming employed for a long time to come. Um, we'll see, time will tell. It was um, obviously not a very good purchase on Occidental's part. They were, they, uh, the timing on that couldn't have been worse for them. And so um, yeah. somebody ended up with a, with a pretty good asset for not a bad price. So if, if it turns out the state of Wyoming could have made 10% returns on that, I would be surprised, but um, you know, we're not doing that that good of money on our uh, permanent fund investments. I think we're averaging like 6% now. So, um, yeah, then it would have been an opportunity lost for us. So we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and Representative Kenner made a good point. He's like, we don't know. You know, the, the governor is the one that's got all the, you know, he knows who the other bidders were. If there were any, he knows the numbers. So um, hopefully he shares that information and then that, you know, and then like you said, we probably got to wait 10 years to see if it's, you know, uh, for all that acreage. Um, let's kind of move. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, in your mineral committee uh, in the next couple of days? Um, anything that you're eyeing on or anything that you know that is up for discussion? I'm looking at the agenda now and there's really not a whole lot going on minerals wise. Um, okay. We are the minerals business and economic development committee. So we deal with a lot of the banking issues, a lot of uh, the uh, blockchain uh, bills, um, 
and economic development, of course. We hear from the Business Council and the UW School of Energy Research, um, things of that nature. Bills that bill drafts that I have in front of me, the the one that really jumps out at me that is probably the most important bill will be the first one up tomorrow morning on tax lien issues, uh, which in a sense puts uh, the counties at the front of the line when it comes to uh, lien priorities and in mineral production. Okay. A huge policy shift. It's something that the the environmentalist groups like the Potter Basin Resource Council have been pushing for years and they finally got their way it looks like and the counties obviously want the money you know in the, in the event of a bankruptcy they want to be at the front of the line and it all sounds fine and dandy but you're really kind of screwing the banks um, because if if you've issued debt to this oil and gas company say and uh, you know you you have a lien on the, on their production, right. and all of a sudden, three five years later, state of Wyoming legislature jumps in, changes the the whole rules of the game on you, and puts you puts you you know second or third in line in the event of a bankruptcy. That that's uh, that's not good, and and banks uh, are very good at um, analyzing risk and and placing an appropriate. Um, interest rate on that risk to protect themselves and this really kind of messes with that a little bit so i'll be watching that bill draft closely to see how it ends up and how it's worded if it's fair to the banks it's if it's something that the um the lenders are okay with and they're not gonna uh, raise the cost of capital for everybody else that's yeah. one of my concerns it, in wyoming's already one of the most expensive states to do business is this going to make it even more expensive? My answer, right. right my gut tells me yes, and um, uh, we will see. We'll see what the testimony is, and and we'll vote accordingly. But uh, yes, the counties need to be in there somehow, and um, how we thread that needle, we'll we'll see what the committee decides. Yep, absolutely. But yeah. uh, other bills that are we've got a Bitcoin bill that we've got to do some tweaks on just. Yeah, language changes. Um, uh, we'll get an update from the SER. Uh, one thing I'll be making sure that um, we keep an eye on with the School of Energy Research is they're notorious for competing with the private sector. Case in point, Ramico here locally. Um, they're they're on the carbon or coal to carbon products. Um, um, thing pretty full full bore right now and they're doing it all with their own money um, private sector money and they haven't asked for the government to, to give them any grants or anything like that and on then they've got a competitor who is very well connected with the state knows all the right people and the and the uh, UW School of Energy Resources is you know going to be doling out grant money to companies to research coal to carbon products it's to me it's it's blatant uh interference with the private sector it's crony capitalism it's picking winners and losers it's the last thing the government needs to be doing if there's somebody in the private sector space that's already playing in this space leave them alone and let them do it if not if there's nobody in that space fine you know, we've got this carbon sequestration stuff going on over in Gillette that I don't think will ever go anywhere, but it's, you know, 
it is what it is. But they, you know, obviously, no one being in the private sector is going to front that much money to, to do something that who knows if it's ever going to be viable. So, uh, you know, right. want to throw money at that, fine. But if there's private money going in and they're competing with one of my constituents, I'm going to fight them tooth and nail on that. So, <laughs> absolutely. And that's Zach. We're going to talk about that carbon, the carbon capture today later. So, um, yeah. Well, I don't want to take too much time of Senator uh, Beitman's time. He's been on a lot of Zoom calls this week already. Uh, Zach, do you have any final questions for him? Uh, no, not that I can think of. Um, yeah, like Aaron said, we're going to talk a little bit about carbon capture uh, in the next episode we record. Um, but yeah, no, I think thanks for, for joining us. Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Let's shift gears to football real quick, Aaron. Uh, yeah. You have a football season and NFL season this year? So that's something we're going to talk about later on is, um, you know, the Wyoming High School Association, they're full bore. We're doing it. Um, now, you know, everyone's concern is what happens if, um, you know, a team or a school has an outbreak. You know, that's an obvious concern. Um, but, um, you know, the High School Association has a – it's really made for winter sports and winter travel. You know, if I think it's like 75% or something, if they can't come, then that's, you know, then the association has to reconsider, you know, are we, you know, changing stuff around and stuff. So, you know, that, you know, I'm thinking 75%, that'd be a lot, you know, even for Sheridan's football team, that'd be quite a few kids having it. So um, now, you know, as a coach, strategically, we got to be ready for if two or three kids get sick and they can't play, you know, that's, that's a different story, but um, yeah, the Wyoming high school association, it's full on um, obviously the crowds and there's some restrictions with that, but um, you know, we're not like Texas football where we have 5,000 people coming. So <laughs> I think we'll be okay. Uh, now, are gonna be weird. Yeah. 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 Social distancing and, um, you know, the crowd, you know, it'd be interesting. I don't think they can have bands and stuff and, and, and I don't know, maybe that we lift those, but, um, yep. High school sports for sure. And, um, I think the NFL is going to do it. I mean, there hasn't been sports for about six months, so they know people will watch about anything. So the NFL will figure it out. There's too much money in that for them to not have a season. So. Yeah. Hopefully they keep their, uh, virtue signaling and their uh, political <laughs> statements at bay and let us just have one escape in life that hasn't been ruined by politics so i look forward to watching football politic free and i hope that happens if not i'll spend more time on the mountain this fall i guess yeah yeah there you go <laughs> elk, elk and moose have been uh social distancing for years so <laughs> hopefully october 1st the cow elk will not be social distancing yeah from <laughs> Well, uh, Senator Byman, thank you for your time. Thank you for, um, you know, fighting for your constituents up here in northeastern Wyoming. Um, I think you you did explain it very well. The primaries were close for a good reason. Um, people were challenging, um, you know, moderates, uh, especially gun rights, uh, fiscal responsibility, whether that be taxes or spending and um we uh, we appreciate your time and we look forward to uh, kind of look into the legislation session this year and um, thanks for thanks for coming on.
Yeah, anytime you need any updates, uh, let me know and I'd be happy to come on and chat Absolutely. with you. Perfect. Right, thank well, you. thanks, Bill. Thanks, guys.